This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns of Odin. Now, this week, we've got a really exciting announcement, and that is that on the 4th of December, we're going to be releasing the biggest ever clothing collection that we've ever done. The winter range is going to comprise of last year's winter jacket, we brought back in a brand new colour, and added a really warm fleece lining to the inside. We've also got an amazing fisherman's sweater. Alongside that, we've got a selection of t-shirts. They're all going to have a petroglyph-style design. So we're going to have Odin riding Sletnir. We're going to have Thor with his goats. We've got Frey and his boar. We've also got Freya and her cats. So for those that like things a little bit more simple, we're going to have a couple of t-shirts. They're going to have a petroglyph-style version of our logo on there. We've also got a selection of hats and scarves. So whatever you do, just check out the website on the 4th of December and you're going to see some amazing new products. And don't forget, the listeners of the podcast get an extra 10% off anything store-wide with the code HORNS10. So that's the code HORNS10, which will get you 10% off everything store-wide, including the new range. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik. Hello, everyone. So this time we don't have any guests or anything. It's just us um, talking about the things that, uh, you know, come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got a set plan as such for this one. No, you figure we wouldn't. We, we didn't want to uh, bother people over like the holidays and everything between New, uh, Christmas and New Year's. So, uh, mm. so it's just us. We've got uh, we've got some good guests for after the New Year, though. Yeah, we definitely do. So, Daniel, what have you been up to? Uh, yeah, I, good Christmas. Ate a lot, mm. you know the the usual, um, and then I guess just putting up with the usual assholes on. Instagram, Facebook, that kind of thing. Obviously, anyone that follows Horns of Odin will know that we recently released our winter range and we decided to use a model who is mixed race. And you know how, how Viking bros get? Some of them don't quite like that. And ah. we get all the comments of uh, <laughs> this guy's culturally appropriate in our culture. Everything from that to people just dropping monkey symbols in and whatever else. Oh, you're, you're kidding me! No, I have to be yeah. on it to just kind of block, delete, because I'm not giving any sort of platform to people like that. So I, I don't even reply to it. They just get blocked, deleted, and you know that that's it. Because what's the point? You know, if I start engaging, then you soon start giving platform to hate, which is not what we're about. Yeah, no, that's, I, and I, I'm sorry to hear that. That sucks. That's it's, like, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. I woke up last night to one guy who was like, oh, this is a bit confusing. Um, it's a Viking company with a guy who's got a cross tattooed because the model's got like a little cross tattooed on his cheek. And mm. I'm just like, well, like, you can't separate like the Viking Age from Christianity in any possible way. No. <laughs> Anyone who's listening to this podcast now knows, you know, the two are entwined like anything. So it's like, fuck off with that. And secondly, it's 2020. We're just a clothing company. And I like the model. It's got a good look. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's uh, honestly, it's absolutely insane. People are just, some people are just assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah definitely. Cultural appropriation is definitely one that seems to be popping up more and more. The one that I'm kind of seeing, because we've used, you know, we've used black models a couple of times before, and that is the one that people like to throw. And I don't know if it's kind of this, just this, this idea that some people want to try and flip it around almost and be like, oh, well, you're appropriating white culture. And it's like, oh, fuck off, man. It's just culture for everyone. Yeah, so, you know, this is really interesting. And it's also, you know, you you can only say that when you also then, like, employ some kind of, like, logical disconnect. Like, first of all, uh, you know, the physical features of a human being has nothing to do with culture, first of all. Uh, you can be... Uh, uh, you know, black, white, whatever, and and culturally identify with uh, with, for instance, British culture or Scandinavian culture or mm-hmm. German culture, whatever you, you you know works for you. First of all, and secondly, of course, also what what is like if you've grown up in Germany and, and your your skin color is black, you're still German. Like, come Absolutely, on. Absolutely, of course. The same in Denmark. The same in Norway, Sweden the UK like so 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 anybody who would say anything else they can shut the fuck up um and <laughs> but aside from that I mean the the, the whole the, the whole thing of cultural appropriation is actually a, a legal thing more than anything um what we're dealing with is as cultural appropriation when it when it first came out as 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 a, a concept is actually in, I don't think I'd con- even heard of it like 10 years ago no, and and uh, well, it was in in existence ten years ago, um, but it is a fairly new term. The whole thing about cultural appropriation is actually that this is uh, a, a incredibly important uh, um, situation for a lot of indigenous peoples, um, especially Native Americans, whose um, uh, design patterns and and other cultural products are being uh, taken by companies, uh, copied, and then mass-produced and sold uh, yeah. to, to the general consumer. And what that means is then that uh, something that that belongs to tribes, that tribes consider their p- particular cultural expression, is then being mass-produced. And the, the best example, I, I think, is the Navajo prints, uh, those like... Uh, 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 prints that you will see on a lot of like sort of like Indian branded uh, um, clothing. Um, I think H&M had some different uh, clothing companies here in, uh, in, in, in the U.S. have had some. And, and the Navajo Nation are like, hey, what the fuck? This is, this is stuff that we hand quilt. We, uh, we, we, like, we put this pattern um, as a very distinct marker of our tribe on material that we sell to tourists and this is what we fucking live off right yeah so that's where you have cultural appropriation as legitimate terminology because this is where you didn't have some company that just goes well i'll just snatch that and then i'll make a fuck ton of money off of it and uh screw these guys who've invented it right yeah for sure we can (laughs) we can all see that that's completely wrong and in that case that's where it's needed yeah, exactly, and that's 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 why you then have court cases where people uh, 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 basically bring these laws, lawsuits and say, um, "Well, we want cut of the deal," which mm-hmm. I, I think is only fair. Um, 
and that's that's very very different from from you know uh, you making modern Viking branded clothing, and then some uh, some some person that's not like you know pasty looking like you and me. Uh, <laughs> where is it? <laughs> that's not cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly it's unbelievably ridiculous. I say I've had you know I've had personal messages from people of all different sort of backgrounds, ethnicities who've said you know thank you for using not just the typical white blonde haired muscular man for for a model You're like you know it does it does mean something to to people and it helps them feel a little bit more invited into the community because mm-hmm. you know it can be quite overwhelming i guess for some people with how some kind of like the white supremacy side of people act yeah and that's that's the thing and that, that and you know it's, it's it's incredibly important i think if you're if you don't agree with white supremacists and and i never think you should by the way um i think it's incredibly important to then also um be inclusive uh in in the ways that that, that work you know and the you, if you walk down the street of any western european city nowadays you will find that there's a lot of diversity we're a lot of different kinds of people um and there's nothing wrong with that so you know, there's also nothing wrong with these different kinds of people. Then also uh, relating to the, the the historical past of 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 the, the particular countries that they're in and and have grown up in and belong to. You know, they, they, they can't even like disconnect that. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely insane. I, I think it's also fair to remember there's a, there's a big difference between a cultural appropriation and appreciation there's a huge difference between the two you know like our model his his instagram handle is the maori viking he enjoys viking culture enjoys norse mythology it's not just somebody picked up off the street either that's decided to do it you know what i mean it's he has a great appreciation for this culture so it seems insane that anyone would disagree to us using him as a model especially when he looks as good as he does yeah like what the hell (laughs) why you why not appreciate other cultures there's so much good stuff in the world and why do you have to stick to whatever was made by certain like by quote unquote your skin color or your your culture like why do you have to stick to your little groups why not all appreciate each other's work exactly and and that's that's the thing and you know if uh if you want to get nitpicky about this like some of my black danish friends have more you know scandinavian genes than some of those you know scandinavian heritage dudes from minnesota that i've <laughs> run into once in a while like think about that guys uh <laughs> before you start <laughs> bitching about this stuff like it's it's just all it's nonsense like cut it out just drop it <laughs> yeah i mean there, there we go that's our that's our run we haven't had one for a while that's true. We haven't had one for a while. <laughs> so I guess, I guess just before we, we get started into the bulk of the episode, it's worth saying we're spending a little bit of time at the minute on getting a new Instagram out there for the podcast. So if you guys want to sort of follow that, it's just the Nordic Mythology podcast on Instagram. And also the Facebook page is going to be more active, which is the Nordic Mythology podcast on Facebook. And, you know, now we've we've moved up in the world and got a producer um, he's going to be taking care of posting stuff on on both of them and making sure that we get good quality content out there. We'll still be sharing stuff on Horns of Odin, but the posts are going to be backed up by supplementary evidence to support 
the episodes, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, no, and it, it's a little bit of a work, like trying to migrate everything and integrate and so on. I mean, I started both Facebook page and YouTube and all that stuff under the Nordic Mythology channel. And and um, we're basically remodeling that so that it fits the Nordic Mythology podcast brand instead. And uh, so we don't start from scratch either. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yes, definitely. Definitely an exciting one. Um, so, yeah, everyone, if you you know follow it, it's just literally the Nordic Mythology podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And it's just going to help you keep up with, with what we're doing when the new episodes go live. Like I say, there's going to be supplementary evidence on there for, for each episode. So it's definitely going to be a, a bonus. Uh, one last thing I guess to say before we, we jump into the show. I had a, a message just before we started from a, from a gentleman who, you must have come across my personal Instagram. And he was like, you know, I've been listening to this show for, for 25 episodes. And I thought you were just going to look like kind of a standard I guess kind of boring British guy, like a run of the mill. <laughs> it was like I did not expect you to look the way you do. And I, I mean, I'm not quite sure whether how to take it, whether to be flattered or or not. Um, he did. He, I mean, he he said I look like a Viking, I guess, which is <laughs> which is quite which is quite complimentary. So, what is a standard British guy? Is that some some dude with a bowler hat? Yeah, and, and a tracksuit. Yeah, well, <laughs> hat or like a pork pie hat and a suit and a cane would be like the Londoner. And right. then I guess as you go north, it would be a shell suit with the Adidas stripe down the side. And uh, I guess that would be the, the the typical Brit. Yeah, no, I mean, by the way, I I, I am waiting for my Adidas suit to to arrive. Just to keep it, <laughs> <if anybody> wasn't. <laughs> So yeah, so there you go. If anybody does want to know what I look like, I guess you can look on my Instagram, which is Daniel underscore fire and one. If if you're interested, I guess. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean let's let's jump into the bulk of this episode, which is gaming, drinking, partying. It is um, that time of the year, right? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It's I mean, I've done it like I said, I've done a little bit too much drinking so far. So probably gonna carry on into the new year as well. Yeah, that's how it goes, right? <laughs> For sure. Especially when everyone seems to buy me a whiskey. Oh, uh, that's not a bad thing, though. <laughs> Def- no, definitely not. I, I, I tend to get the um, is it the Highland Park one, which is kind of very not. It's made from Orkney, and it's all very Nordic themed. So I think people see that and think, I know who will like this. Yeah, they didn't they used to sell those with uh, like uh, some some kind of like wooden viking themed holder i i, I think I got so. a bottle like that once it was delicious so. they do some really cool bottles um i mean i like whiskey so if anybody ever wants to buy me whiskey feel free to uh <laughs> send one over <laughs> this episode is me just trying to get people to to send you whiskey <laughs> to send me whiskey say nice things to me on instagram it's very uh boost his ego guys also <laughs> by it. the way i think maybe highland park should consider sponsoring us since we're basically advertising for them right now <laughs> for sure yeah absolutely um yeah no so th- i guess the one thing i wanted to ask is this whole idea of drinking games in the in the viking age you know i've just started playing uh assassin's creed valhalla and one of the things you can do on there is drinking challenges mm-hmm. so how accurate is that because drinking drinking mead ale in abundance out of horns 
goes very much with this idea of kind of like your typical Viking image. Mm-hmm. Well, so well, I guess we got to start with bros with blue bros, right? I mean, th- this is definitely something that that that, that men tend to do, uh, um, and regardless of culture, by the way, you know, you find it any culture that 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 uses alcohol will also at some point come up with a stupid drinking game, and probably also other stupid ideas like uh, we should buy a bar. Yes, we should buy a bar, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a bar that never closes. You know those kinds of things right so so yeah so i mean we have uh, several examples in the saga literature from iceland um where 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 you find like competitive drinking in different ways um we also have from nordic mythology we we uh we did that episode on thor's journey to utgaraloki mm-hmm. and that's where you find like the, the prime example of 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 a, a quote-unquote drinking game or or you know this situation where um uh, there's like a competition of drinking involved and eating by the way too um so so we have thor right who who uh, is uh, is known as a drinker we find him in other stories as well uh, like the the story where he goes to uh uh, to Thrymheim, to Thrymer, where he has to uh, uh, dress up as Freya to m- pretend to marry Thrymer. That's also where we see a reference to him being capable of drinking a lot, right? So that's that's his thing. That's that's part of him being very manly, I guess. And I'm, I think we can safely say that this comes with the idea of masculinity as well. I always I always wonder how how on earth could Thor dressing as a woman ever pass as being Freya, because Freya is obviously described as being extremely beautiful, and I'm like, I, how does that even? Because obviously, you think of Thor as being this big macho man. I'm like, how can that even work? I think it was not so long ago. I was seeing this meme circulating with Thor and Loki, uh, like <laughs> these two. I don't even know. I think it's from a sitcom or something like that. These two very bulky dudes uh, dressed up as women. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that I, I saw the same one. Yeah, so I mean, the, the the deal is, of course, uh, it's comedy. So, 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 of course, uh, the you should be thinking of a very muscular, uh, like manly man looking kind of dude dressed as a woman, right? And that's that's the hilarious part about it, right? So basically, go on, go on my uh, Instagram, and then imagine me in a dress. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think that 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 would put in put in place. <laughs> so anyway, going back to the drinking thing, I mean, there's um, then you know, there, there's this general knowledge that the Thor is like he can he can really like empty a lot of beers, a lot of you know, a lot of caskets even of beers, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, we then have the story where he goes to Urkaraloki and he is challenged. Uh, Urkaraloki says, uh, uh, "Empty my my drinking horn." He's called he calls that horn Vitis Hornet, which means to punish your horn. So, so, so there's also you know, I feel like that, there's marketing there for me, right? <laughs> there is there is some marketing there, <laughs> and that's so 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 that's like. It, when when you can just like casually throw that into a story like Snedder Sturluson does in Etta, 
um, that means, of course, that that it's a very normal part of of, of the culture, right? It's mm-hmm. it's like you know, think of all the things that you can just casually throw into a conversation when you talk with people. That's of course the stuff that we all share and all all know to be generally true or generally something that we do, something like that, right? So that also means then that we must assume that these these Icelanders back in the day they were very familiar with uh, getting shit faced and also competitively getting shit faced. Um, so does that mean, I guess, listening to those sagas, you would assume that there is some sort of prowess and kind of, you'd be looked, to, looked favorably on if you could drink a lot? Definitely. And that's, so that's the thing. So we have, um, uh, the last episode, we talked a little bit about Hrungnir, who, go, who, who ends up in Ausgader, where he gets really shit-faced too, right? He can't hold his drink. That's that's part of the, uh, the the social codes in that story where like um, uh, he he's sort of like because he's racing with Odin he uh, he uh, accidentally finds himself in the middle of Alskadar and then the cultural codes stipulate that they have to welcome him treat him as a as a guest and serve him alcohol and then he like keeps drinking and gets drunker and drunker and then he starts like throwing insults and threats around and all that stuff and that leads to a duel so there he starts breaking uh the social code so there is a social code that uh, you shouldn't be a dick right <laughs> that's really what it means and uh, i was gonna, even, I was gonna yeah, quiz go you on your have a knowledge because isn't there a line in that where odin kind of says don't drink too there multiple. Okay. Uh, there are multiple lines in there, and this sort of like goes a little against what we're otherwise seeing mm-hmm. in the mythology. Uh, multiple uh, situations where where Odin says, "Don't drink too much. Nobody is going to reproach you just if you go to bed early." Uh, he very much cautions against drinking. I think it's one of the the themes that uh, it might be the theme that shows up the most in in Hawamal, actually. Like so, so repeats over and over. Don't drink too much. Don't get too drunk. Don't be a jerk when you get too drunk. Those kinds of things. Um, so, so that says a lot about how the culture relates to that as well. Um, but then you know you go to the mythology, and then you see these examples of of uh, of uh, individuals who who break those codes, um, and sometimes they get away with it. Sometimes they don't. Kronir ends not getting away with it, of course. Um, uh, Lorcasenna, the, the, the Loki's quarrel, as it is called, this poem where Loki is basically throwing insults at everybody at a, at a feast, is also an instance where Loki seems to have had too much to drink. Um, that's sort of like a premise that comes in the beginning of the story. He gets kicked out of, of the party and he comes back in and he's like, well, you suck and you suck and then fuck you and like that kind of <laughs> stuff. Uh, so, yeah. It's 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 all over the mythology, actually. So, is that a case of? I guess if in Havamal they're saying you know don't drink too much, and in the mythology it's showing people drinking a lot. Is that kind of drink a? You you're seen well if you can drink a lot, but also equally handle it and not make a dick of yourself, and you're kind of seen as seen seen well in that light. But if you drink a lot and end up embarrassing yourself, then it seems like a very fine balance. 
I think there's there's a part of that uh, present in the culture. It's not like abstinence is is preferred. Um, you should definitely engage in drinking. Um, other, otherwise, like say you 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 uh, come to somebody's house and they offer you a drink and you refuse. Uh, that I'm pretty sure would have been considered a, an insult mm-hmm. um, because like you basically like what my, my beer is not good enough for you um, and also by, by the way offering um, offering like really uh, a bad brewed beer or um, you know n- not offering beer at all is also an insult you know that's something we'll get to in a second um i just want to uh, just uh, uh, round the thing out with uh, with the mythology because we also have the idea in the mythology especially in skaldic poetry and the idea of skaldic poetry that this is all this this all comes like the capacity to create awesome poetry comes from drinking um mm-hmm. the meat of poetry right is the story about how uh, the the ability to compose good poetry comes straight from getting drunk, um, and and the story about how Odin retrieves the meat of poetry in Edda, right, is also a, a story about um, perhaps getting so drunk that you have to uh, throw up, right? That's what he does in the end. Mm-hmm. And he actually I mean, soil, know, soils himself on both ends. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say I don't know if you want to tell the story briefly. I know it can be quite long, but we can. Oh, yeah. Just take like, a, yes, skim over it. We can speak about yeah. it. It is, it is an interesting story, and it is probably one of the most famous ones as well. It is, yeah. So, so it begins with, uh, and it, it, so just to like uh, give you a sense of like how important this story actually is, at least in Snorri Sturluson's universe, um, it, it begins with the uh, truce that is settled between the Icy and the Vanya. So, so, so this is like in the beginning of time too, like very early on in, in like cosmic time. Um, it, the, the mead is created as the icy and mania come together to spit in this giant vat or tub or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then that they create a man from that quasi. Like, I always find these bits so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. But when you brew mead on the other hand, actually it starts making sense because you know, that, uh, residue that the uh, yeast makes, um, you know, the yeast, lies at the top of 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 the liquid right mm-hmm. and that looks like spit and all oh, right okay yeah and then it like it makes residue that comes to the bottom so it actually makes a lot of sense um but there's, yeah, there's so, always this idea i guess of people spitting on their hands and shaking hands as well it's some sort of brotherly tie so i guess if it is like a a truce between all the people it's like let's all spit in here and no one's ever going to break that oath Exactly, and I think I also mentioned uh, before that there's, this is actually also a, a very old, well-known way of making alcohol, um, like spitting in it, because the, the, there's something with oh, really? the enzymes and spit. Yeah, uh, I guess that, it'll be the bacteria as well. Yeah, it's, it's uh, all part of a, 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 a beautiful microbial environment that'll get you drunk. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's part of it too. Um, but yeah, so 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 this they create this man or the Aesir, they create this man called Kvasir uh, from the spittle. He walks around in the entire world, and then he ends up at the the dwarfs' uh, uh, place. So the, uh, these two dwarfs called Fjallar and Galar, and we should assume then that he's underground because dwarfs live underground, right? 
and that means effectively that he's he's gone to the underworld to the world of the dead mm-hmm. um, right you know he gets murdered and then he he's turned into mead the, the dwarves use his blood for mead um and then we have a, a whole lot of uh, uh, things happening with the giants and eventually the the, uh, the mead ends up in the possession of uh, the giant Sutungo, who um, who keeps it in the bottom of a mountain called Nidbjörg, which means clashing rocks and this is where his uh, he he places his his daughter Gunlöth in charge of it and that's like that's like the the key the, the, the cue for Odin to show up right it's like oh a, a, a lady and some booze I need to go there <laughs> um so that's that's what happens next uh, Odin shows up to to take the mead and he finally you know uh, gains access uh to uh, the bottom of the mountain he turns into a snake and and crawls through a hole that the uh, uh he has uh, made uh, in collaboration with uh, Sutung's brother, Birki. Um And he comes down there into the bottom of the, 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 uh, the mountain. The mountain, at this point, we should realize, since he's turned into a snake, snakes are, you know, when we look at the cosmology, usually hanging out in the underworld. They're hanging out by the roots of Yggdrasil and all that stuff. So we should realize here that the mountain basically represents the vertical axis of the cosmos. So he's like turned into a snake to go to the bottom of the, the cosmos. This is where he then copulates with Gunlöth. And since Gunlöth hangs out there in, uh, in that uh, underworld, we should consider her the same figure, more or less, uh, at least conceptually as, as the goddess Hell. So like she's the ruler of the underworld. So Odin has to turn into a snake to go visit the ruler of the underworld. He has to have sex with her. And then he can get this very potent drink that he then gobbles up in, in, in three swigs. And then he turns into an eagle and flies out of the mountain. And again, this is, this is very cosmic, right? Because the eagle sits at the top of the tree as well. So, so he goes on that axis to the bottom of the cosmos and then to the top of the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And then he brings uh, the mead to, to the Aesir in Ausgada and also to, to the, um, all these scowls, these poets who get the, uh, um, like the, who, who basically have a hotline to the gods when they compose poetry. That's what it means um, to, to have the mead of poetry. Um, so, 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 what it also means then is that once you drink from that well, so to speak, then you have cosmic knowledge. And that's what you need when you compose a skaldic poetry, because we have all these kenningar, uh, these circumlocutions that use Nordic mythology and, and like ways of like uh, employing analogies and euphemisms for the things that you're talking about. And you need to basically know the cosmos to do that. So it's also a very like sort of religious thing to be doing, actually, in 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 context of that that Viking Age universe. I always think it's so so strange just thinking how you kind of get these these big brutish Viking kind of ideas of this image in your mind, and then they all speak in poetry. <laughs> just also, I guess that you know they don't always speak in poetry, but it's just that idea that that like the scaldic poetry is so important. It's kind of like. You, it, it doesn't marry up, I guess, in like modern ideals of what you would think of the two. I always think of like a 
a poet as kind of the as like a slam poet with the with the high turtleneck, the black high turtleneck on and a bongo. And like and little just, round glasses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're probably purple. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that that's a very recent occurrence, actually. Like, you know, back in the day, poetry was considered very masculine. Um, and your your greatest example of this is, of course, A. Skatlakrimson, uh, my favorite Viking, uh, to be honest. Like uh, his story, um, um, the, the, the the saga of the eagle, uh, Skatlakrimson, um, is is probably my favorite saga. I would say, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Um, and see. he's he's a warrior poet. That's okay. like that. That is his his thing. If you have not read this story, you should read it. Um, there are some scholars who've suggested that it's actually Snorri Sturluson who has also written that. This can't be verified. None of the sagas actually have attached authors to them, um, so so we can't really identify who initially wrote it. Um, but there's a lot of overlap in in both um, historical knowledge in in the saga of Ego. And then um, other material that Snow Sturluson might have written, like the King's Sagas, for instance, um, and also a lot of overlap with Nordic mythology. Um, and there, he, I would yeah. say, is the saga short enough for you to tell us or give us? It's a, actually a quite long. It's it's quite long um, because he covers his, his whole life and also uh, uh, bits and pieces of um, of his. Uh, his uh, offspring. So, so unfortunately, it's it's, it's quite long. But if we can, okay. we'll make sure that we put a link to it on the Instagram page when we post the episode, or some way of finding it so people can read and kind of Absolutely. check on it after. Yeah, yeah. No, that uh, it's it's available in in both in in English and in multiple uh, other languages on on the internet. So it's a uh, pretty easy to find. Um, but but there's some some key. Uh, elements of the story that are that are very important like first of all it is sort of like a genius he uh, uh, i think the, the, he composes a poem uh, a scholarly poem at the age of three or something like that like you know he starts off like that mm-hmm. um there's an interesting backstory to him his his family um his family has a a um um a, a sort of a, a dark side so um his his grandfather uh, was known as Kveldulver, and that means night wolf, because in the evenings he would get like mad, like he would he would go crazy. Uh, so the closer we get to sundown, uh, the more likely the psycho will come out on him, and <laughs> he'll try to start killing people and all that stuff. This seems to be sort of a reference to the old ideas of berserkir. And and like warrior madness of various kinds, and you know you could dig a lot into like is is some sort of like mental illness that they're actually talking about? Is this PTSD? Like you know, there's plenty of ways you can go with with actually discussing what is actually behind this. But of course, in this story, it's more to, to explain just how much of a psycho aid Scarlett Crimson is too. I think that's interesting that you mentioned PTSD, and just to take a quick detour. It's something I guess I've never really thought of, but when you're in this this world, this hyper-violent world, especially if you go raiding um, and, you know, you, it, it's a lot more violent as well than war today in the sense of that you're not just shooting somebody through, with, you know, down the sight of a gun or pressing a button from a drone. It's very much personal. You know, you're hitting somebody with an axe or a sword or any other sharp object. 
Mm. Like, you know, it's pretty, it's going to be pretty horrific. You're going to see, it's not like it is on the films either. You know, I, I guess the sword doesn't always go perfectly straight through or the arm come off clean. You know, you know what I mean? It's not like Hollywood portrays it very, even though it can be quite chaotic, it's very clean as a war. And even the, the most gruesome ones, I'm sure don't do justice to what war actually was. I mean, I imagine there's, there's times people were hit and half of something fell off. The axe got stuck and half, you know, like stuff fell out. Like yeah. whether it's whether it's brain or bits or like somebody catches something to the face and the jaw half hangs off. You know, I'm sure there's all these horrible situations that people see. And, you know, as humans, yeah, you may become desensitized to it, but I guess you will always take it home with you. And mm-hmm. whether it's then or now, PTSD, I imagine, will have existed. Uh, I think so. Um, I, I, I think you know the the study of of like the psychological uh, uh, costs of war is 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 incredibly fascinating in and of itself, especially in in a historical context. We tend to gloss this stuff over a lot, uh, also because you know in the in a lot of the the uh, like the saga literature, for instance, it's 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 glorified in different ways, or it's turned into jokes. Like I think it's in Gisli's saga, another saga from Iceland, where where this guy, uh, he gets an axe in his head. Like he's like he goes towards the woods. The, the, the guys are hiding in there uh, to, to like investigate uh, anybody in there, and then somebody throws an axe out of the wood uh, woods and like hits him right in the face, and he's like, "Oh, that hurt!" You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, right? Um, but that's that's also a way to distance yourself from the violence, like as as the spectator, the audience, when you're like reading this stuff and and retelling these stories. It was it's definitely also gall- gallows humor as well, I guess. Oh, absolutely, and gallows humor is is one of the ways that we as humans can can relate to detrimental things and and also process, mitigate, and reconcile them in our lives. Right, that's what all of this you know really comes down to, and. Um, and yeah, PTSD was 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 very much part of the, the the life for for these Vikings who went to war and who went on raiding and and experienced a, a lot of bloodshed. Of course, it was. I mean, I I I doubt that that many uh, professional soldiers that come back from Afghanistan, for instance, they, they don't come back with some some level of PTSD. I mean, <laughs> for sure, because it's not. <laughs> Normal is not the right word, but I just don't think that we're made to kill each other like that, especially in such brutal ways that it's just, it is going to leave something with you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's also a thing that, uh, that, that you should consider uh, a lot of studies of, uh, of, of like how people uh, react to war and to being in that situation actually have yielded um, quite some interesting things. Like one of the things is that, you know, as human human beings, uh, we're we're quite reluctant to just kill people. Like mm-hmm. it takes a lot for at least a normally sane individual to 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 to, uh, to 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 go there. And that's also why, as a modern soldier, you go through a lot of training to be ready to kill. That's whole, that's the whole point. You you you're trained to do that, right? Um, yeah, but, bre- breaking down all the barriers that are telling you to stop. Yeah. There's there's something there's something uh, deep in our psychologies that would otherwise you know initially prevent us from doing that. Now then go back to these uh, Vikings back in the day, and yeah, sure they had a bit of um, 
they definitely, you know, that type of society definitely had some uh, training uh, for warriors in different ways. Um, but whether or not that training really prepared them to do what they needed to do, that's another uh, question. Um, and, uh, you know, you can uh, dig a lot into this, uh, uh, how, 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 how prepared were these people to, to just, you know, commit uh, violent acts like that. And that's, that's, a, that's a very good question. Um, but yeah, going back to... Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's, it's so easy for, especially because we're so far away from the events now, you know, you're talking a thousand years ago, it's easy to glorify it and, you know, for people to sit on Facebook and to, to glorify these acts of, of violence and kind of, you know, Vikings are these really cool, savage people. And, and sometimes you've got to take a moment to, to think back that they are just humans. And, you know, these are very vicious, violent acts that are going to stay with people on, mm -hmm. on both sides, whether it's the person doing the killing or the people left behind after the killing. It's, you know, it is history and you can't, you know, it's enjoyable, but it, at the time it had a big effect on, on all sides. They are still humans and it's, it's so easy to detach yourselves from that and think of it as these people all that way back then who didn't necessarily have feelings and emotions and thoughts. But that's the thing. I mean, this is also what we see in modern action movies, right? Like Bruce Willis, he's like, <laughs> he's just fucking around in Nakatomi Tower, right? Uh, killing off Hans Gruber and all the other guys um, in my favorite Christmas movie. Um, oh, you've just upset half the people. <laughs> half the people listen to this are like, it's not a fucking Christmas film. <laughs> it was decided to be a Christmas film at the Council of Nicaea in 430. Six. There you go. <laughs> Historians have <I>, spoken. <laughs> if you watch it at Christmas, it's a Christmas film for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, think about all the things that this guy goes through. Like half of the physical uh, uh, toil his body takes, you can't even do that as a human being. No. Uh, and 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 just get up afterwards at least. Like you you you'd want to lie down for a while. <laughs> for, um, yeah, for for sure. But I think also on the flip side of that. Sometimes Hollywood makes it look too easy for people to die as well. And I don't think it would have been like that. It's, that's why I think it would be a lot more gruesome and a lot more violent than you realize, because it's not as easy to kill somebody as it is in, on TV. It's not just like a, a sword through and they drop dead. You know, th these people are fighting for their lives. So they're going to be struggling. There's going to be bits missing. There's going to be last minute gas. You know, it's not this pretty. No, it's, it's definitely battle. not that pretty. Uh, you know, one of the, I think the most realistic dying scenes that you get from Hollywood movies is actually in that old lame 90s uh, movie with uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. What is it called? The Beach. This okay. this, this uh, movie about like, you know, it's, it's, it's a movie about the, the first generation of, of, of uh, kids from you know western europe and the u.s like traveling in the globe right trying to find those places where nobody has gone before um and and they find this like paradise in it, it, on a on an island off the coast of thailand um where you have to like go through a, a, a weed field um where like these the gangsters are, are growing uh marijuana and uh, then you get on the other side and then you know there's like this 
hidden cove. And in this movie, like that, that, it's all like paradise and they have like this nice hippie community and all these things. And then uh, at one point, they're like these two French brothers and one of them gets bitten by a shark and dies. And that dying scene right there, I think is very realistic because like he gets bitten to the extent that he's like slowly bleeding out and he's, uh, and it takes a while. It takes a couple of days and infections and all this kind of stuff. And that's, that's like the thing that kills the romance for all of them. And <laughs> they start getting bitter about paradise. And then, you know, they eventually just go, go back home to, to their nice cozy Western lives. Um, after having been on adventure and one of them died. You know, that's how it goes, right? Uh, so so the, the, this, the story though is like, or this, this like scene where he's dying and everybody's feeling like they're getting bummed out, dude. Um, <laughs> and the way that that is like portrayed, I think is incredibly realistic in terms of, uh, of, of, of the horrors of death. Um, and and how it how it comes about and how is it felt it is felt by 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 people so so that's aside from that it's a pretty crappy movie but <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think I think one thing that sticks with me when it comes to kind of the violence of war is there was a, a Joe Rogan podcast episode and I can't remember the fellow's name and I'll try I'll try to remember it he was um, a vet from I think it was Iraq or Afghanistan. And he talks about how he had to go in and like save his team. And it is the most heartbreaking story that you can ever hear. You know, it, it completely ruined his life. And he talks about how, you know, he's, he's basically on the back of a, um, not a pickup, but like a, a gun, a gun truck. And he's just kind of shooting everything that moves. He's, he's like one with the machine. And he talks about how he uh, crushes a guy's skull with a stone, with like a brick that it's on the floor. You know, it's just that that violence is like it's it was literally a case of it's me or him, and like one of us has to go. And he's mm. and it's that kind of image. And I mean, I I have no shame. I mean, you know, that I was in tears listening to the episode. I downloaded his book, listened to it, and it is so heartbreaking what they go through. And then he speaks about what he goes through after, about how you know he's he's sat in his truck outside his buddy's shop and he's he's you got a handgun in the uh in the glove box and he's gonna kill himself. But thankfully, someone, I think it was his sister, took the bullets out of the gun like a few days before. Mm. And it's just like this heartbreaking story of what he goes through and how it, the PTSD affects him. Um, yeah. And having the wonders of having a producer on hand, we, uh, the fellow's name is Dakota Myers, or Dakota Meyer, which is like I said, mm. the, the Joe Rogan episode is absolutely amazing. It's heartbreaking. Um, it's definitely worth a listen. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I, I, so yeah, when you, th I think, so when you see like these dudes who are sitting there on the internet saying like all kinds of like things, like how badass they are and, and glorifying violence or, and so on, that's usually the guys who have never really been anywhere near it. Some of the people who speak most responsibly about violence that I have ever known have been veterans of war. Um, well, they know seen what it. they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they've seen it and they've seen what people can do to each other. Yeah, and they, you know, they they know on both sides how haunting it can be. Yeah. So back to the story about the <laughs> the guy in the hut who turns yes. in, who turns mad, <laughs> maybe PTSD. 
Yes, yeah. So, and and by the way, to segue, uh, uh, the, the the story of the Mita poetry, and uh, now that we're talking about violence and all of these things, is actually also the most violent story in Nordic mythology. Like this is the 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 the, his, the story with most kill counts. Like that, there are nine slaves that die. There are other people, and you know, Kwasi dies, and so on. So, 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 like alcohol and violence also go together. That mm -hmm. is, I think, something that most people uh, know to some extent. For sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, Kveldulve has like this bad temper. This is inherited by his, his son, uh, Skatlakrimmer, um, Egil's father, uh, Skatlakrimmer. Um, is is more you know even minded, and and he is uh, the, the 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 person who's responsible for the uh, family leaving Norway to go to um, Iceland, and that's because he does not want to fight for, uh, or if he does want, to, he he he's reluctant to 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 become an ally of uh, of Harold Finehair, right? So that. Typical story of like why did uh, people from Norway migrate to Iceland? It was because Harold Finehair was a douchebag, um, and and he was like uh, imposing taxes on them and all of these things. Now whether or not those aspects of the story are actually true, that's another uh, part. But um, they eventually then uh, go to Iceland, and Kveldulver he dies on the journey. And uh, then they put him in a casket. And this is where it's really interesting because you know, the typical way of taking land in Iceland is that you have to take your high seat pillars from your temple back in Norway. So basically sort of like a totem pole or whatever you want to call it with carved images of the gods. And you have to like throw it overboard uh, when you come within sight of Iceland and then let it drift towards Iceland. And wherever it lands, that's where you take land. And so it's sort of like, ordained by the gods, right? That's that's the typical Icelandic land-taking story. Yeah, unless it landed somewhere shit, and then you just move it on a little bit. It's kind of like the guy playing Imagine. golf. <laughs> the guy yeah. playing golf when his ball lands in the, in, the, in the roof or in the trees, just kind of kicks it out when nobody's looking. Exactly. And, you know, by the way, the, the, of course, there are people who have tried to reconstruct these rituals, right? You know, some happy Icelandic scholar in the 19th century being like, yes, we shall try to do this. And then they do that. And then they find that these uh, high seat pillars, they float to Greenland or North America or something. Because <laughs> uh, it doesn't really work that way. But it's a great story, right? <laughs> the whole purpose of the story is is to, to basically say uh, the gods... Uh, or divine providence has led us to this country. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you will find uh, settlers in America who said the same thing, right? So it's it's a common thing. Um, like to, I to... think it gives justification as well, especially mm -hmm. if you've dragged twenty people with you to Iceland, right? You know, it, it's easier to do if you say Odin wills it, or you know, we're carried here by Thor blessing us with the you know good weather to get us here. It's yeah. It makes it a little bit easier for people following you if, if the gods are with you. Exactly. And and to to these medieval Icelanders who were writing about this, they were, of course, uh, Christians, but they uh, they they recognized that uh, that, you know, God could also work through other agents. And that's how it's sort of like, OK, um, to, to like assume that Odin might have been uh, uh, part of that mix. But in, in the story you mean of Christianity adapted to suit what he wanted. 
just once in a while, you know, a little bit here and there. Shock. Never would have thought of that. <laughs> so in this story, though, uh, it's Kveldulver who guides them to, to settle in Iceland. It's not the high seat pillars that come from the temple back in Norway. It's, it's gr- a grumpy old grandpa who has been put in a casket. And then they, they, they throw it overboard and then they settle where it lands. And um, the story then, of course, it gives us a little a couple of clues about how uh, Skatlakrima is also a little bit crazy, and this is inherited into Eit as a figure uh, himself. And Eit then goes about uh, becoming, you know, a famous Viking. And one of the ways that he becomes a famous Viking is to kick a lot of ass in Norway. Um, he he ends up on the bad side of Eric Bloodex, and especially the evil queen uh, uh, Gunhildur. Um, that's sort of like the thing of the story is they try to avoid uh, talking too much shit on the Norwegian kings and then putting all the responsibility on the evil queen instead. Um, and, uh, and there is one situation where she has poisoned the mead uh, at a disablot, I think it is, off a, on, a, on an island off the coast of, of Norway. And Eil is sitting, sitting there in the crowd. Uh, she wants him off, uh, off because, uh, uh, you know, there's still a feud between the royal family and his family, uh, even though that they have moved to Iceland long ago. Eric Bloodaxe, uh, I believe, if I remember this correctly, sent a beautifully uh, silver inlaid adorned axe to uh, Skatlakrima, Eil's father um, as, as a way to reconcile them. And Skatla Krima was like, fuck him. And threw, uh, I think he threw it out or something like that. Put it, put it on a, uh, a, a cross beam um, in, in the smithy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Ultimate and, disrespect, I guess. Yeah, totally. Just like, you know, put it in the shed kind of thing. Um, put it in the uh, toilet. <laughs> in the lavatory. Just hang it up on the wall. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, by the way, uh, uh, that was in Denmark during the occupation uh, in World War II. That was a common uh, thing to do, to put Hitler's uh, uh, picture underneath uh, the, the lid of the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, I can't think of a, a more deserving place for it. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, so we go back to Eid, and uh, he finds himself on this island at a so-called disablot, a... a, a um, depending on which source we're reading, either a spring ceremony or a fall ceremony. It's, it's a little, uh, uh, or like a winter ceremony, I guess. Um, it's a little iffy uh, when it actually took place. Uh, but I think this one is taking place in the, f- uh, in the spring. Um, and they're on this island and they are drinking. Um, and this is part of the, uh, the, the celebration that, that you drink. Um, you're sitting there and the, the, the drinking horn is passing around in, in the crowd. And um, uh, Queen Gunhildur has uh, put um, uh, poison in the mead. And Eil, he gets it. And then he writes some runes on it and speaks a spell and then it bursts. Um, so so that's, that tells you a little bit about his power too, right? He's, he's, got, some, he's got some hardcore juju going on here. <laughs> and um, uh, and there's like several of these situations where he either like, you know, um, like creates, uh, he's, he's either like capable of like funky magic or, or he, his, his 
character sort of like merges with Odin. So um, it, in one instance, he uh, uh, is he, at this point, if I remember the story correctly, he is working as a, um, as a tax collector for, I guess that might be Eric Bloodaxe's son, or is it Eric Bloodaxe himself? I can't remember, one of the two. Um, this is in the early 900s, I guess. Anyway, he's working uh, as tax collector for the Norwegian king. The, the, the families have been reconciled at this point. This is later into the story. And then he um, he goes to this guy named Armoder, uh, who lives up in the mountains somewhere, has to, of course, cross a blizzard and all that stuff. And then he comes to the house, and then Armoder um, treats them to uh, skier, I think it is, or, or this like sort of like a watered-down yogurt that you can drink that's like half fermented instead of, you know, giving them the beer. He's like he's a very stingy guy, and that's also mm -hmm. you know part of the whole thing. He doesn't want to pay taxes, right? That's why Eif is there. He's there to collect taxes. Armoder uh, uh, then uh, you know is giving him that uh, uh, that's slop or whatever it is <laughs> so that'd be kind of i guess a form of disrespect exactly that's not, a, not that's, getting out the good not getting out yeah. the good stuff that that is a very very like hardcore disrespect then um then they find out that that he does have booze and they're like what the fuck dude and he's like okay well sure 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 here's the beer and then they start drinking beer and um um, and I think that's how it goes. I mean, it's been a while since I read it, but but ultimately, what it comes down to is that they're uh, they're competitively drinking, um, and and eventually, like they drink so much that eight he starts barfing all over the place. But here's what he does. <laughs> this is this is the so so apparently it's not so uh, it, you don't lose face apparently by by barfing, but. Uh, only, I guess, if you use it to your advantage. So the eighth barfs in Arboda's face to incapacitate him. <laughs> like, <Okay. it>, like, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is where it gets weird. This is where I think we see that this is another kind of culture than the one that the, the ones that we're familiar with. And he, um, he, I don't he know. Barfs. I've, I've, I've seen videos of people being sick in glasses and then drinking it again. So I'm not going to say it's any more weird than, than that. Yes, not no. <laughs> um, and uh, ultimately, what he also does is that he uh, punches Armoda in the face so hard that his eye pops out. Um, so that's like a Odin reference right there, like mm -hmm. one eyed, <laughs> and and I think he also like rips off half of his beard, which which is a way of of uh, taking away his masculinity. Um, so 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 there you have sort of like a a, a drinking contest that uh, also ends in violence, by the mm -hmm. way, and and like a pretty psychotic outburst from our good friend Eil. Um, I feel like that's just a sneaker kind of like throwing the sand in the eyes. Yeah. It's like the sand is just sick. Yeah. <laughs> and and like, you know, projectile vomiting sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 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 that's that's one one situation where where you have that uh, competitive drinking. Um and and A is sort of uh, you know, known to be able to handle his drinking. That's that's something that you see uh, in 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 the story again and again that, that that he does quite well, 
Um, there's an instance um, that doesn't have anything to do with drinking, but uh, but with war and violence. On the other hand, um, after the uh, him and his brother uh, they enlist in Athelstan's uh, army in England, and they fight. I think the King of Scots uh, for him, and uh, his brother is killed in the battle, and Aeth is pissed off. And, and he's after the battle, he's sitting across from the king um, and uh, he's looking at him um, across from the fire. And the way that it's described is that he's like, um, he, um, he's like doing something with his eyebrow so that like, it looks like he only has one eye. So once again, he's sort of like, you know, merging with Odin as a character as well. Um, and, and yeah, so he, he has those, like these, uh, two sides to him, the, 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 the fine cultural aspect of being capable of creating poetry. He's also, you know, in, in the, the sense of that culture, at least cast as a very noble figure. Um, and, and then he's like a straight up psycho who, uh, who will uh, barf in somebody's face and then, uh, punch him so hard that his eye pops out. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> sounds like a fun guy he probably was a lot of fun too <laughs> to go out on town with <laughs> that's it so to pull you back to the poach side and i guess to link it back to me playing um assassin's creed mm-hmm. they they have these uh i guess they're almost like medieval rap battles of two people throwing slurs at each other in poet poetry form now, yeah is that real? Please tell me that's real. That is real. That is oh, straight wow. up. That is one of the <laughs> realest aspects of the Viking Age ever. Like they, really? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they 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 would compose poetry that was basically designed uh, to to destroy the, their opponent's honor. That was very common. Um, this is the kind of stuff that you could get outlawed for. Uh, in um, uh, in Iceland too, if you compose poetry where you uh, uh, accused somebody of being rasraging, uh, which uh, basically means uh, homosexual. Um, okay. So 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 that then he had the right to to uh, to kill you uh, just on the spot. Um, but sometimes you would also see that response with uh, similar poetry. Um, yeah, no, that that's a that is a that is a very very standard part of of the uh, the culture at the time. So yeah, medieval rap battles. I think that's so interesting, but I guess it makes sense, you know. Just and I wonder how often, because I guess I mean I don't know about anyone else, but I've watched a little bit of like battle raps before, and I guess the ultimate thing is to not allow it to bother you so much that you act out in violence. So, you know, like people can say what they want, but you can take it too far and, go, and get physical with it. So I wonder if they also had that kind of limit on it where you can pick up your sword and just kill somebody because it's in the in kind of like the rules of, of this engagement of, of words. No, that's that's that part is not the same. Um, so to my understanding, I haven't, you know... Spend a lot of time researching rap, um, but uh, as far as I understand, rap was actually uh, created to uh, 
is to take off the, the, the tension of violence, like mm -hmm. being able to, 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 to duke it out uh, through words instead of uh, violence. And sometimes you will de definitely see um, rap beef getting, getting violent, right? I mean, uh, I guess the famous cases are uh, the Tupac and Biggie and all mm -hmm. that stuff, right? Um, and if that wasn't the feds or whatever weird conspiracy theories are out there, <laughs> CIA was. Some people say he's still alive. Oh yeah, he's still alive. He lives in a hut, like actually right over here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hiding in the mountains. <laughs> no, uh, um, uh, so so there's there's in in the, the Viking Age um, there's a there's a line you can't cross. Apparently, that's that line where you. Where, where you symbolically strips a man of his manliness by okay. by um and this is where this is where you you will see Iceland as I've said before is is a different type of society I think than than, than mainland Scandinavia um in insofar as it is very highly competitive um uh, it's much more competitive than than when you go to especially southern scandinavia but even also just western norway um uh, because we there are the lines of like who's in charge are much more blurred in iceland in this period so so we have these uh, prominent families uh, great warriors and so on competing to become the 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 person in charge of their little a corner in Iceland or even Iceland itself. And this is what culminates with the civil war during Snorri Sturluson's lifetime and with Snorri Sturluson at, at the center of it, right? He's one of the people who loses that civil war. Mm -hmm. um, but 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 earlier the uh, uh, it, it it hasn't like, come to a head yet. So so you have multiple players, right? And one of the uh, one of the ways that we can see that is is that they are so concerned with their honor and anybody uh, impeding on their honor, uh, anybody saying that they're not manly enough, because if they, if, you, if people could get the message out that you're not manly enough, then, uh, then, then there's also a risk that other people will take your stuff, mm -hmm. take yeah. your, take your, uh, your, your possessions, take your land, uh, kidnap your family. You know, that, that, that was a real threat, right? So it's, you can, you can have a war of words, but if, I guess it it's, if you push it too far and insult someone's manliness or their honor, I guess if they don't then act in a certain way back, then you're, they're kind of proving the lack of their manliness and their honor. So exactly. they, I guess you kind of get them tied into a situation where you have to act with violence to restore yeah. said manliness. Exactly. So, so they, they were incredibly concerned with that uh, seemingly. Um, but I don't think that was very much the case in, in the rest of Scandinavia, to be honest. I think this is a very distinct Icelandic phenomenon. And that's probably also why Skaldic poetry and then also all this historical knowledge gets to live uh, so strongly in Icelandic culture. And that's what results in all these awesome sagas being written down and, and all mm -hmm. that stuff. There's no comparable literature uh, elsewhere in, in in Northwestern Europe. So the Iceland in that case is, is special, right? Um, so, so, you know, something that I would consider pretty, pretty bad cultural traits, <laughs> you know, a lot of violence and, and uh, you know, uh, 
dudes who can't take a joke, uh, <laughs> it turns into uh, a pretty awesome cultural material then that, that you have in the literature. So, yeah. There we go. Uh, so I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you about before we, you know, before we end this is um, the Lewis Chessman. I was reading a, a quite a cool article about this little chess figure that was found from the Isle of Lewis which is in the Outer Hebrides off the north of Scotland. And this little chess piece is apparently worth a million pound. And somebody found it in their granddad's drawer or something like that and didn't know what it was worth, took it down to the auction house, asked if they knew anything about it. And, uh, you know, apparently there you go. <laughs> it's a Viking age or a, close to a chess piece made from walrus, I think it is. Yeah, walrus tusk. Um, yeah, they are from, I think there are 14 in total, 14 or 15, um, of these little chess pieces. I think and, I read there's like six missing or something. Yeah, I think there was originally found these 14 or 15. Um, the first one was found pretty, pretty early in the 19th century. So it's, it's mm -hmm. a long time ago. Um, and yeah, you know, these things keep popping up in, in people's drawers here and there, just like, you know, medieval manuscripts, uh, in Iceland, you know, sometimes somebody will like, you know, go to their grandpa's, you know, dilapidated old farm and then find something in a haystack somewhere. Uh, it still happens guys. So um, every, everybody who's listening to this, check your drawers for one of these little figures. We'll, we'll put a picture on the Instagram, but we also want 10% finders fee. <laughs> So yes, um, uh, they're they're made of walrus tusk, um, so ivory, mm -hmm. and this this was one of the primary exports of uh, of medieval Norway and Viking Age Norway. It's actually the uh, the the hunt for walrus might be the thing that brought uh, people to Iceland in the first place. Uh, mm -hmm. Iceland used to have a population of walrus. Uh, that uh, that these uh, leisure loving Vikings immediately destroyed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a, a, a tale as old as time, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, absolutely. The, the, the humans move into an area and then bye bye animals, <laughs> except yep. for like mice and geese. <laughs> Things are small enough to get away or useless. Yes, um, and uh, and it's the same with uh, with Greenland. Like the the Scandinavian population in Greenland in the Viking Age probably came there because of uh, hunting walrus, because you know the ivory from the walrus tusk was one of the most prized objects um, in medieval Europe. And um, and uh, these uh, yeah Lewis figures are, are made of, uh, uh, of of that tusk. So so that's also why it's assumed that they're probably from Norway. Um, originally carved in Norway. Yeah, I think that that was the idea from this article was that they were saying that the Isle of Lewis was probably used as a stopping point between Norway and Ireland. I think you've said before that it tended to be Norway would go around the north of England down to Ireland, whereas Denmark would come more straight, across straight, straight yeah. to, to England itself. Yeah, and and you know at times uh, the Scottish Isles and Scotland itself is also a, a more or less incorporated into some uh, uh, naval kingdom of a Scandinavian king here and there. You know, mm -hmm. so 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 there's uh, there's a lot of crossover, and it makes perfect sense that uh, that these uh, uh, these probably Norwegian made uh, artifacts will then show up in the Outer Hebrides. I guess what what I found interesting was that it is very clearly a chessboard mm -hmm. you know it's 
it's they are chess pieces and yeah. i always i wondered like when did that come from because i assumed though I, I might be completely wrong in this the chess comes from sort of china area or the far east well unless i'm completely wrong with that and i've just made it up I don't know much about the history of chess in and of itself. <laughs> that's, that's one of the corners of history I haven't spent much time on. I mean, oh, we so have... this is where Mike pops up and types in the chat and lets us know the history of chess. But I mean, we, we do have like tip, types of board games, um, of course, that, that people have been playing forever in, uh, in different capacities in, in Europe, right? I mean, uh, go back to ancient Rome and you'll find certain board, uh, board games there. Um, and, and we have the Hineva Tafel as a uh, Scandinavian Viking Age uh, board game uh, that I, I have very little knowledge about, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's the one that I've always seen. It's kind of like a a chess board as such. That's what it looks like, but with different pieces. I, like I don't really know how to play it, but it's it's very different to chess, even though the board looks similar. Which I guess yeah. is why I found it quite strange that it was, like I say, it is very much a chess board. I just always assumed that they were they were separate. Well, I assume that these uh, Lewis chessmen are actually the uh, uh, the earliest example of of uh, Scandinavian chess like I I, I I don't know that there is anything before them uh, that suggests mm-hmm. that the Scandinavians were familiar with chess as such and then of course it means in that chess it did exist in in Western Europe at that time um, the Scandinavians are probably learning it from the uh, the English that that's that's what I would assume without okay. having to uh, look more into it though um so yeah, yeah i i kind of wondered whether it was from because like you say we we spoke about before having the silk road that goes mm-hmm. to um obviously t- to the far east so mike's just come in and said this from india in the sixth century so it's mm-hmm. obviously predates the viking age so that's why i was kind of just wondering like you say whether it was on that that silk road where maybe they picked it up in india that's China, not impossible and i mean brought it, it back be. Yeah, it could be the Vikings are actually the ones introducing chess into uh, the northwestern corner of Europe. Um, who knows? I mean, they do go through the Caspian Sea to Central Asia to trade. We do have objects from Central Asia that show up in, in Scandinavia in the uh, 9th and 10th and 11th centuries. So, so that fits the bill, so to speak. It's not impossible that they that they have picked it up. Um, but it, I would want to ask an expert on 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 games and and gameplay in the in the Viking Age on that uh, before I say much more. <laughs> we'll have to find one and then invite them on. Yeah, <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> that, well, there we go. Perfect. So yeah, I, I just found the I just found that story really interesting. The these little figures popped up. Like I said, firstly because it was chess, and secondly they are very much. I think they said one is a berserker. The one yeah. that was found as a, you know, it's a little fellow holding his shield, but I think he's biting the shield. Yeah, no, um, that's that's a very like characteristic aspect of him that he's uh, he's his he, you can see like his upper uh, tooth line on the on the shield, right, as he's holding it right in front of him, and we have that described in in literature as well. I was going to say, do we know where that comes from? This idea of yeah. biting a shield—it seems a little bit odd to me. 
No, so this is from uh, Inglinga saga, the saga of the Inglings, the the uh, the prehistory to the Norwegian kings sagas, where this is this is the story about how Odin is actually in fact a king from Turkey. Um, this is also going to hit some of the white supremacists in the panties, I guess, uh, <laughs> to, to migrate into Scandinavia and set up shop, right? And um, and we're told a couple of things about. Uh, Odin and his warriors and one of the things that they say about him is that his warriors get mad like dogs or wolves or bears or something like that and then they'll bite their shields mm-hmm. um so so it's a it, it, and we also see it mentioned in in other sagas here and there um so so that that's sort of like a a standard trope of, about like you know crazy ass warriors who 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 go to war and 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 really kick ass um, so, so it makes perfect sense. Like this uh, chess piece, you know, uh, is largely from the same period of of, of these sagas being uh, either written or composed or created, uh, um, depending on you know a lot of varying factors. But it makes sense that 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 that, that we would see visual depictions of that as well, because this was obviously a thing that 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 was tied to the idea of of the powerful warrior as well. I guess it's like I guess it's, you're probably just showing that savagery, that eager to get into battle that you're gonna bite your shield. I guess so. I mean, it seems an odd thing for me. To me, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I probably. But then again, I'd probably just be absolutely terrified, <laughs> hidden away, crying at the back, like you know. Yeah, the, I, I mean, like yeah, I, I, I really don't know how I would personally react in a in a in, in some kind of early medieval war situation (laughs) Mm -hmm. no (laughs) no me neither um yeah so you know this has been this has been fun before we wrap up i guess this is going to be the first episode of the new year i think so Mm -hmm. i don't know if you wanted to take a a minute to look back or or mention a couple of the most memorable moments from the in the (laughs) last year or anything that stands out for you i know i have one that stands out yeah, no, I mean, so th- th- I would say, uh, like, this year has been pretty cr- incredible. Like, what, what we, uh, we've we done with this podcast um, is 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 beyond what uh, what I ever thought, like, would ever happen. Like, we've, we've gone from uh, you and me um, doing podcast episodes every second uh, week or something like that. I think uh, it, when we first started, it was kind of whenever we found time. And then we yeah, went to exactly. every other week, and then lockdown happened, and we were like, "Oh fuck it, let's just do it every week." Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and somehow it's stuck. And now we're stuck. Yeah, and yeah, it started out with me editing on my mm-hmm. own crappy devices and all that stuff, and, and then we brought on uh, Shan, who's a, a, a great uh, sound producer. Um, and yeah, by the way, those of you who are listening, it is all my fault when, when the sound is bad. That's because I have poor connection. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we found that we found that out last week when we had a meeting and some truth yeah. were told. <laughs> <laughs> and and now we also have Mike on as a producer and everything, and uh and we're we're slowly getting more and more uh you know, professional and figuring stuff out. So it's yeah, it's, it seems that way. And obviously that that's a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Obviously, I mean, me and Mateus do this for free, but we can't ask like the editors 
Uh, Mike, who sits in now sits in on the episodes, produces it, uploads it. You know, he does a lot of work behind the scenes. So these guys obviously need a little bit of little bit of money to persuade them to do it. Not everyone has the the love and passion, I guess, that me and Matthias have. <laughs> so you know, as as we get more professional, then it does cost a little bit more money. So like I said, the guys who support us on Patreon, it means everything because that's what it allows us to do. Um, and I guess sometimes, you know, in the, as we're going forward, if me and Matthias ever go silent because we can't remember something, it'll usually be because we're waiting for, for Mike, who we now have like the voice of God who pops up in the <laughs> chat and uh, will allow us and prompt us with uh, with dates and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's really helpful and, and really awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, so... Go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say the the podcast here, like when we first decided to do this, you know, we were just speaking, we'd never even spoken before, except through a very brief interaction over kind of both having a dislike for some comments we got on one of our our first posts when we used a non-white male, non-white, non-white model in a very sort of brief chat. Then we were like, let's do a podcast. That's it. <laughs> And somehow we ended up putting it together and then growing it to what it is now. And it seems to have been received really well by people. People hopefully enjoy it. You know, we both get messages quite frequently from, from listeners saying, you know, we love the show. Thank you for doing it. And it's it's quite overwhelming to get sometimes. Yeah, no, and I, I want to thank everybody who listens. Uh, and also I want to thank you all for your comments. Like sometimes... I get comments uh, in private messages on on various social media and I don't always have the time to respond. So I just want to like blanket statement uh, for everybody who who sends me those messages. Thank you so much. Uh, It means a lot, um, even if I sometimes forget to uh, respond. Um, it also means a lot with all the support we get and like even even some of the more like crank comments are are, are fun or meaningful like what, what was there some guy who was asking if our equipment was also from the iron age or something like that <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean yeah it, it's absolutely insane when i when we think you know we get thousands of people that listen to this every week and you know i'm just for me anyway i see i'm just like this moron who sits here and listens to you talk about cool shit and I just get to occasionally poke in with maybe a witty or funny comment as oh, I hope it is and ask some <laughs> and ask some questions or stuff that I don't understand. It's like who the fuck wants to listen to that? But apparently some people do. Well I mean you know there's there's plenty of experts out there but but most of these experts aren't talking with people, you know? Um don't give them they, any ideas. Oh no guys <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I think that's one of the, uh, you know, the things that draws people uh, people to this. I mean, because, I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't necessarily know uh, where to start. Like, one of the things about confirmation bias, like, um, we all have it. And, you know, just because you're a scholar, you, do, you also have, uh, you don't, you're not like... Uh, free of uh, confirmation bias in different ways and and one one component of confirmation bias is always that you ex- assume that other people know what you know um but that's actually not the case right and especially not that's where i like, come in but t- 10 years studying something like of course people won't necessarily know the same thing right and yeah that's why you come in and and ask those very important and relevant questions 
that uh, that can take me in the direction of like also actually explaining things that people want to hear instead of just like ranting like a madman in a corner over there. I mean, I also <laughs> do that, but <laughs> occasionally, occasionally I just let you go. I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, so what is a memorable episode for you? Like uh, anything that we, <laughs> you know, there's one that stands out. I think to everybody, which yeah. is the. The, the Vikings are gay episode where we suggested they may possibly have been homosexual Vikings shock, shock. which, which ups, you know happened to upset fucking so many Viking bros who couldn't grasp the idea that maybe people were gay in the Viking age. I mean, I'm just like we've just talked about how that was an insult. If that was an insult. I'm pretty sure it was also a reality, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know. <laughs> For sure. I mean, that episode to me was shocking in a sense that it showed like how many people that still think that way and still have those kind of homophobic thoughts and very small-mindedness, how many there is still about. Because, you know, I surround myself with nice people who don't think like that. So when they kind of pop up, I'm like, fucking as if you even exist. Like, how are you right? <laughs> how are you doing anything in 2020 and fucking acting like that? Yeah. No, I I, I also get really surprised when I when I run into that. On the other hand, I mean I'd, I'd also say that, yeah, of course, there's a lot of like insecure dudes out there. But dudes, just get over it. Like mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, find a hobby. And then yeah. they'll then they'll work out. <laughs> and I guess the one of the other one, the other memorable episodes would be obviously having INR Selvik on, which yeah. you know, if if anybody said when we first started this, you know, by episode like 40 something, you're gonna have INR on it, be like, fucking hell, can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a that was a really great episode. Um yeah, I always uh, I love talking to Aina. He's uh, he's really uh, so knowledgeable and and he uh, you know, uh, as an artist, like I, I really love the way that he integrates um, scholarly knowledge into his 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 art. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's that's really cool. I also I really enjoyed um, uh, uh, talking with uh, Oliver uh, Tier. Um, yeah, from, from Faun. That was a really great episode too. That was good. Uh, yeah. yeah, and obviously the Kai the Kai episode was really. I feel like we could have spoken to Kai for hours. And, absolutely yes <laughs> not, touch, not touch the same subject um he's definitely one we need to get back on and to me one of my personal favorite episodes i would think would would be uh emily lorenson i i just fucking love that episode and we had so many nice comments about how that was one of our best episodes i think it just clicked it was a really good episode i enjoyed that so if you haven't listened to that i would implore you to take a moment to because it was a fun she's a she's a fun girl you know it really yeah. had a laugh <laughs> Yeah, no, we and it, yeah, I must admit, I was, I also really enjoyed nerding out in in Danish a little bit here and there. <laughs> I got a couple I of still, comments from the stuff. I still we have said. no idea what you're what you're saying about me, and I know it was about me. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I'll, someone will tell me one day. One day you will figure it out. <laughs> no, somebody will have to tell me. I will figure it out. No, so this has been, like I said, this has been fun. Um, you know, we we really do appreciate everyone that takes the time to to download and listen to this. And I guess, as always, if you want to follow us privately or see what we look like, you can you know follow us on our private Instagrams. Also, we have the the Instagram for the 
podcast now itself, which is the Nordic Mythology podcast. My personal one is Daniel underscore Farrand one. And obviously you can follow the company at Horns of Odin as well. Um, Matthias, where can people find you? Yeah, well, nowadays you can find me on my uh, personal Instagram, uh, Matthias Nordvik. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, go give uh, the uh, Nordic Mythology podcast a like on Facebook. As I, as we said in the beginning, we changed. I've changed the name of the page that I had for our Nordic Mythology channel to Nordic Mythology podcast. So now you can find it there. There's still some of my stuff uh, on it. I don't think we're going to take that off. No, um, no, of course not. Yeah, so like I'll, I'll I think I'll still uh, continue to publish my my blog posts and stuff like that if anybody do, yeah. feels interested in um, in reading that. I um, so this will come out uh, after, but uh, uh, just uh, uh, around the, the new year, I will be posting about uh, Rune Jan Rasmussen's. Um, a, a, a Nordic animist calendar. Um, I'm I'm doing a review of that and looking awesome. very much looking forward to pu- uh, publishing that. So, so look out for that if you haven't already found it. Now that we're in the new year, I guess <laughs> once this <laughs> episode comes out. Okay, it's like it's like Inception, or I guess totally <laughs> talking in the future. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you enjoy the the podcast, you know, please leave us a positive review and a five star rating. Like I say it does help people find it helps people you know if they're unsure whether to download it reading a good review will always maybe help them or persuade them to to download it and give us a try um if you do want to support us financially then we do have our patreon which is patreon for us that's nordic mythology podcast obviously every every little helps with that it helps us you know keep growing getting better equipment i really need to get a better camera because i just look white as a ghost on this every week it makes me feel sick so yeah thank you thank you very much to everyone for listening um and take care yeah thank you so much